Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Rob Roy by Sir Walter Scott Dramatised in three parts by Judith Adams Episode 2, Over the Border what you've written. Unless it's a private letter. Very private letter. My dear friend Owen. Your father's clerk. Mm. My dear friend Owen, I have sent the usual respects to my father under another cover, though it is long since I heard from him, or indeed your excellent self. I am sure that by now my cousin Rashley will be comfortably established in London, multiplying the family assets with his peculiar brand of perspicacity. Uh, didn't you send a previous warning to them? A portrait of Rashley? Shh, shh. Patience, Diana. And touching this, did you get my earlier letters referring to same? Hmm? I have heard nothing. I am well, somewhat foxed by the bucolic life at Osbaldiston Hall, as I think perhaps my father intended I should be. But there are also... That will be quite as much as I wish to hear. No, no, you asked me to read my letter, and I shall. There are also compensations in my banishment, which make me curiously reluctant to escape its Lethean toils. Go away and write more poetry, Frank. After your merciless critique of my talents, never again. You shouldn't have taken it so personally. I find all romantic poetry sentimental tosh, that's all. Diana, wherever did you learn such manly cynicism? From my books, of course. One only has to switch the pronouns. For he read she, for him read her, and vice versa. And the high-blown twaddle gentlemen speak is revealed for what it is and what we women despise, degrading folly. What are you studying? Greek. Greek? Was this course of study your choice or Rashley's? Um, partly his, partly mine. I learned outdoors to ride a horse and clear a five-barred gate and fire a gun without winking so that I could hold my place with the brute cousins. Mm. And I also wished to hold my place with the one rational cousin within doors. Now I find I relish all the flavours of the apple of the tree of knowledge. I can see why Eve pipped Adam to the first bite, but not why we've been kept at arm's length from the harvest ever since. Rashly would have encouraged such a frame of mind. Why? It would have served his turn to estrange you from more feminine pursuits. I don't think Rashley knew the mysteries of washing lace ruffles. I meant rather... You meant rather the pursuit of knowing my place. (sighs) Taking your place. As the beautiful woman you are. Your rightful place. As a bauble or une femme couverte. Yes. A protected woman. I would... A disappeared woman. I grieve, Frank, deeply not to be a boy. (laughs) Don't turn a pretty compliment... Pay me the courtesy of listening. As a girl, if I did half the things I have a mind to, I would be shut up in a madhouse. Yet if I were a boy and did the same things, I swear I would make the world mad with imitating and applauding me. Now, do you pity me? Not quite. The misfortune is so general, it belongs to one half of the species, and the other half have... Uh, So well cared for in the inequality, they are jealous of preserving it. (laughs) Also, Miss Vernon, perhaps as a member of an oppressed and antiquated religion, you are setting quite some theoretical store already by a life of female seclusion. What was that? It's time for you to go, Frank. I have offended you. No. You look flushed and distracted. Has my bantering upset you? Please forgive... No, not at all. Not at all, my friend, please. Diana, 
I believe I just heard a sound in the inner chamber, and I believe that I've heard such noises before. Do you deny... Hush! No more of that. If I were to answer now, it would necessitate falsehood and finesse, and I should do it awkwardly and lose your good opinion. But I... Ask me no questions. I don't have it in my power to reply to them. Please, Frank, trust me. Go. May I return for the usual evening study? Of course, of course. She's a kind of eloquent Amazon, Andrew. Mm-hmm. A kind of primitive Sheba. Uh, dinner approach the bees, sir. They're a contumacious generation. She sees everything through learning, but not what passes in the modern world around her. That's what makes her so irresistibly fascinating. Mm-hmm. What's that you're reading? Nay, your Song of Solomon. An improving text. You may care to borrow it when I'm done with it. She's a great danger to me, Andrew, as you say. She's a fascist bargain, you've been told. Moonshine and water. And learning or no, she doesn't know the Latin names of the plants like Andrew Fairservice. Now, will you leave a buddy to his book and bees? I'm thinking the bees are settling in their skeps for the night. Yeah, and now your stinging torment's coming this way to misguide us all. Good evening, Andrew. Mm. Frank. Diana. Here's a letter directed for you, Mr. Osbaldiston, from London, very duly and distinctly. Frank? Francis, what is it? Gracious heaven. Tell me. It's brought the gallant bad news. My folly and pride and disobedience have ruined my father. Aye, for as the good book says to them as read it, the prodigal will... Andrew, fetch some water. Water, miss. It's a drama something stronger a man needs when your light come to plague them. Water, Andrew, don't talk. Go. Frank, is your father, is he... Alive, but he's ruined. Ruined? Rashly. I wrote. I wrote to Owen to warn him. I never heard a word in reply... He must never have received my letters. Oh, Mr. Tresham. My father's partner. Right here are various letters sent to you previously. I received none of them. That your father is away in Holland and Rashley, who was trusted with management of his affairs, has sometime left London for Scotland with effects and remittances to take up large bills granted by your father to persons in that country to be cleared by September 12th and has not been heard of since. And that a head clerk, Owen... Oh, Owen. ...is dispatched to Glasgow, where you are entreated to meet him to sort out the affair with all speed, this being September already. I must go. At once. If the loss is but a little money, Frank... I know those bills. They're a considerable affair, and if my father at Rashley's instigation is declared insolvent, well, it will kill his pride, and that would be to kill him, Diana. Then you must go at once to Glasgow, as Mr Tresham says. But if Rashley has his hands all over this, then the, the plan is deeply laid. I mean, what can I do there in so short a time other than call the blackguard out? Despairing already? Don't, Frank. What can you do here? One thing you do do here is leave a friend behind you who will act on your behalf. And you. You urge me to go. Diana, you know I have been here too long already. Too long not to... I am used to having to sacrifice my friendships, Francis. In Glasgow, I promise you will meet other friends, more disinterested, less encumbered by evil times, who will be better able... No, never. The world can afford me nothing to repay what I leave here. Frank, my dear, don't. This is folly. This is madness. What are miss? See, the gentleman has lost his wits, as we all know. I must return to the house. When you are packed and ready, Frank, come and see me in the library. Have a drink before you die, Your Honour. Aye. 
For Delilah has her barber's eyes upon you. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Mm. Tell me, can you direct me the nearest way to a town in your country called Glasgow? You've got two Nikos at Bliss the Chill. Glasgow's a city, man! What may your honour be going there for? Uh, that's no business yeah, of yours. Well, no, it must be. You see, I'm thinking you would be the better of someone to show you the road. I might meet with someone going that way, certainly. Yeah, and your honour doubtless would consider the time and trouble. I'd pay them handsomely. Yeah, that's carnal talk, Lord, forgive me, but I'm thinking for a fair fee I might be the lad to guide you. You, Andrew. I told your honour a while back I'd thought long of flitting this Romish castle, and now I'm thinking better soon is sign. Aye. Tell the truth. He a soft spot for ye, for all your assassinach. For why you're a babe in arms, a devout among the deals, and need the wise beside ye if ye gang o'er the border. Uh, very well, Andrew. Meet me on horseback at five in the morning at the head of the avenue. Mm, I'll find an aggle standing for any lost wages, sir. Deal a fear of me missing the trist and day. Uh, Might we say, Your Honour? What? Two hours earlier. Three in the morning. Uh, very well, Andrew. Better soon as sign, I suppose. Come in, Frank. I am sealing up a talisman for you in wax and your family crest. Diana! If I understand the nature of your recent distress rightly, the funds in Rashley's possession must be recovered by a certain day, the twelfth was named, I think, in order to save your father's credit. Uh, true, but I... Shh, listen! If adequate funds can be provided by that time, your father's firm will be safe from Rashley's machinations, yes? Yes, but then I... Then would... take this packet... Do not open it until other or ordinary means have failed. If you succeed without it, I trust your honour to destroy it without opening it. Adieu, Frank. God bless you. And think sometimes on your friend, Di Vernon. If you would just give me some hope, some sort of... Of what? Frank, hope? You have known my intended destiny since the day you arrived. Marriage to Thorny or a convent. Black bears or locked towers are my fairy stories. Diana, I could... <sighs> Diana... I know there are other things you hide from me. To be sure. Why? To protect you and myself and... And? And, Diana? Others whom I love. Someone in particular, I think. Someone who visits you when you're alone. Someone who uses the secret stairway and walks with you as you will not allow me to walk with you. Does he know your intended fate, or do you set memory of that aside for him? By whom shall my affection be called to account? Not by me, Miss Vernon, assuredly. I thank you for your good wishes and relieve you of my presence. I awake at last from a pleasant but a most delusive dream and... But I think we understand each other. I think you think we do. Frank, I know you're jealous, but there's nothing I can do without... Frank, dearest, we are to part, never to meet again. Do not let us quarrel or make mysterious miseries the poison of our last few moments together. I beg you, I... To be plain... We cannot marry if we would, and we ought not if we could. There, I've shocked you, but I've spoken truly. Diana... But we are friends, Mr. Spalston. Are we not? Any lass I think I hear, among the or can't you never service, damn you! Rain your horse! Watch your honour's will. How's this? This is Thorncliffe's met. You've stolen her, you rascal. That was why three in the morning. That was why the breakneck speed. He's mine by right. Squire Thorncliffe owed me ten pun. What's that town down on the wide river? Shame to you. There's Glasgow. St Mungo's City. Get up! 
What's this fantastic dress some of them are wearing, Andrew? It's the lady, sir. And on the moors and among the crags, it serves them as their quote. And ain't a man feels the rain. <sighs> They're all armed to the teeth. A man does best to look to himself here, right? Where are we to go, sir? <sighs> well, let me see. There will only be a living soul, either in Counting House or Dwelling House. For the Glasgow folk are serious men, and they'll be ganging what all good Christians ought to be at such a time. And that's the Barony Lake Kirk. For in Glasgow Kirk, they have a preacher to raise the heart of a true Bibleman to heaven and trample on the neck of his enemies. And beside that, if you go not to the Kirk, the searches will carry you to the gardens. Oh, then we shall go. Hmm. And perhaps we shall find Owen there, Andrew. Which way is it? Uh, the way the crowd, sir. Uh. Sepulchres packed with living people. Tombs for the living. The men look cadaverous. But the girls smile at me prettily, Andrew. Be piped for an attention, sir. Eyes front. The preacher comes. My text for this holy Sabbath. You are in danger in this city. What? Shh. Andrew, did you hear? The officers all come, sir. We stay. The text is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20. That the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. Listen, but oh. do not look back. Silence, dear. Officer, do your duty. You are in danger in this place, and so am I. Meet me tonight on the brig at twelve precisely. Keep to your end till then, and avoid observation. Who? Sir, sir, your honour, we must quit this vault, or we're about to be taken before the beetle and whip. At once. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse did you see anyone at my shoulder, Andrew? Aye. Who? A deal. Come on. A word which I have not commanded him to speak. Or that shall speak in the name of other gods. Even that prophet shall die. Who is that? Abide Trist. And so I think to you, Mr. Osbaldiston. It was you who spoke to me in the kirk? It was. Follow me, and you shall discover why. I must first know your name and purpose. I am a man, and my purpose is friendly. Now, this is all the credit I mean to give. You may choose to follow me, or you may remain ignorant of what I have to give you in the way of information germane to your mission here in the city. Will you follow? Can you not give me the news here? It must be seen, not heard. What is it you fear? To whom think you is your life of such consequence that they should employ me to bereave you of it? I fear nothing. Walk on. I attend. And I am armed. Are you now? Well said. Well, I'm not armed, but no matter. A will in hand never lacks a weapon. Come. I'm pleased to hear you have a weapon, sir. For if you were found at my side in this lonely street, the stones themselves would rise up to apprehend us, and you can defend us both. Who are you to cause such terror? No enemy of yours, sir. Since I take you to a place where, where I recognised, I would be shod in iron and hung. And here we are. What is this place? Can't you see? A prison. Damn you! You shall have my life rather than my liberty. Manfully spoken. But put up your sword a while and save it for a better time. Whish! Now, Mr. Osbaldiston. Huh? Let me play Alibaba in this door, eh? And muckle with the provost in the Baileys of Glasgow Gate, and know I'm paying them a visit to my own free will. Hey, who was that? Was that? What a deal, watch up this hour, a deal. Clean against the rules. Clean against the rules. Hooking Dougal. Hound Gregorich. Ah, have you forgotten me already, man? 
I'll let you ken, Dougal, as soon as my plans are settled. Meanwhile, you may do me good service where you are, even now. Take this gentleman to the prisoner brought here yesterday, will you? Aye, aye, we are heft. We are so uh, Come. Do you not come too, sir? It's unnecessary. My company might restrain you, and I can secure a retreat by staying here. By staying here, you could also be delivering me up to danger. None but would I partake in doubly. Aye, aye, come on, this road, mister. This road, my prince. She's a sleeping in here. Take the lamp and see. She. Who? Diana? Is it? Owen! By heaven, Owen, what means this? Uh, I'll tell you what, Mr. Douglas. If you're to break my natural rest this way, I shall complain to your Lord Mayor or... Uh, gentlemen's to speak with you. Owen, it's me, Frank. Master Frank! Oh, my good Lord, let me brush the dust. Uh, Master Frank, are you to be locked up too? Oh, what have you brought this house to, Master Frank? To be shut up in a nasty Scotch jail? What news will this be on change? Hush now, poor friend, I'm no prisoner. But, but, Hush, no more lamentation. Tell me plain, how did you come to be here? Plain? Well, uh, let's see. McVitie and McFinn, you know... Father's Glasgow correspondence, yes. As you say, well, as businesses, they have always been the most obliging and accommodating. Mm. Obliged us on every possible occasion. Always pleased with their profit on our dealings. They were your father's favourites here and his other correspondent, Nicholas... Nicholas... Nick Jarvie, yes. Your father considered him... Disputatious, honest, but... Yes, yes, to the point, Owen, before dawn comes. Uh, yes. uh, have you had recourse to Nicol Jarvie, the third Glasgow party? Oh, I tried. I tried, sir. I sent him a letter this morning gone, which is not even answered. This is all your obstinacy. Forgive me for saying so, Master Frank, but the palate is hard and the spirit's much depressed. Uh, you say right, Owen. I most heartily grieve my pride has been the cause of all this. Tell me, briefly, about my father. He is an old man in these few weeks, Frank, an old man. Aye, aye, sis, coming, sis, coming. Come to stay quick, quick, and hate yourself in the suspect's bed. Aye, aye, just coming as fast as you can. Do you hear pistols? Oh, no matter, I can do without them. Now, whatever you see, take no heed, and don't mix yourself in another man's feud. This gear's mine, you can. Over this half bested before and worse, and left the place laughing. Only thing it is to protect inside your door half an hour, Plumtree. Knocking his heart to get into the coal booth. There's only else meant to get out. What's this? What's this? That you have visitors in the jail after lock-up hours, and on the Sabbath evening. Keep this door locked and let me look after this. Aye. But first I'm on here crack with an old acquaintance here, Mr. Owen. Mr. Owen, how's all with you, man? Pretty well in body, I thank you, Mr. Jarvie, but sore afflicted in spirit. Nae doubt, nae doubt. It's an awful wummel. But don't cast on your head, man. Cheer up, Aglaf. Do you think I would he come out at twelve o'clock at night and I almost broke the Lord's day just to tear a phone man with backslidings? Nah, nah. Nah, that's no Bailey Nickel Jarvie's gate. 
as it was at his worthy father's the deacon afore him. It's my rule, man, never to break this Sabbath. But I could not keep your note out of my head, so I looked up my ledger to see how things stood between us. And then made my lass uh, get the lantern when the midnight struck. And here I am, an inch of firm's affairs, Mr. Owen. Mr. Owen, your house owes certain sums to Messrs. McVitie and McFinn. You want a cellar to others and to myself, Bailey and Nickel Jarvey, you know? It cannot be denied, sir. But then, Mr. Owen, I can't see how a man of business I could just sail his line a night in a tollbooth, eh? Mr. Jarvey, if any friend would become surety for me, then I could employ my liberty usefully for the house and all connected. Ah, well, sir, that makes mickle sense to Jarvey. And I'll be your bail myself. Enough said, enough said. We say hear your legs loose by breakfast time. Come fill up my cap, come fill up my can. And it, no, no, let's hear what the chamber chews and you say to say for themselves. Or how in the name of Miss Rule they get in tonight? Ah, dumbly stay longer in body Bish, and day. Best man! Lulking and singing in the Sabbath! Ah, it's Monday now and I'm happy to see you, Bailey. Eh? Eh? What? My conscience, it cannot be. <laughs> Deal, Amy. You, you robber, you catering, you, you born devil that you are. Can this be you? Even as you see, Billy. In the Glasgow Tolbooth conscience, what do you think's the value of your head? Oh, no, fairly weighed. Uh, say one provost, four bailies, six deacons, and a tomb clerk. Ah, you raving villain. If I see the word... Aye, but you will never say that word. And why should I not? Answer me that. Why should I not? Three reasons, Bailey Jarvey. First, for old Lang Syne. Second, for the old wife who mixed her bloods a the fire at Stuck of Rallachan. And lastly, Bailey, because if I saw a sign he had betraying me, I would plaster that war with your brains. Dale, take the hindmost door, Rab. And, and war's the good thousand pound Scots I'll let you, man. And when am I to see it again? Where is it now? Well, I cannot justly tell. Probably with last year's snow. Yeah, Hayland dog. I look for payment for where you stand. I keep neither snow nor dollars in my sporing. As for when you shall see it, why, when the king enjoys his ain again, as the old song says. That's the very worst of it. Oh, you bring popery among us. Ah, wish me your wiggery. You will be hanged, Rob. Oh, the devil is this? Your accomplice. Another long neck for the gibbet. Uh, this, good Mr. Jarvie, is young Mr. Frank Osbaldiston, only child of the head of the house you so kindly minister to by coming here. Oh, I have heard of that, Smick. Your principal, his father, hopes that old fool, bullied him to be a merchant. So he became a strolling stage player, and pure dislike to the labour an honest man should live by. Well, sir, what say ye to your handiwork? <laughs> And what the Dane's words be good security for Mr. Owen, eh? Sir, I am too grateful for the assistance you have afforded Mr. Owen to resent your taunt. We are both here to help him. My dislike of the commercial profession is a feeling of which I am the best and sole judge. Why? I, I had some fondness for this talent even before I knew of his contempt for mechanical persons. <coughs> this man here, uh, Mr. Osmaldiston, is mad as a march here. And listening to him is the shortest road to the gallows. Well, all your plays or poems tell you where Cousin Rashley is, eh? Well, all the gallow glasses in Macbeth procure him five thousand pounds to answer bills which fall due ten days hence. Ten days, you say? Then is this September 12th? It was. Yesterday. 
Then I have a letter to open to our benefit from a friend in Northumberland, but it is not addressed to me. Let me see. By all heaven, here's a wind has blown a letter to its rightful owner, Rob, against 10,000 chances. So why do you hand it to him? For why it has his name writ all over it. Make yourself quite easy, Mr. Osbaldiston. We have a friend in common, the beautiful Diana Vernon. You and I saw her last at just a single woods luncheon party. I escorted Mr. Morris thence, you will recall. Mr. Campbell, is it? How could I have... Shh, let me read. You know, Rab, Mr. Osbaldiston. Well, it's a kettle cast, the lass's game to play, but yet it's fair play, and I will not balk her. Here's my thought, Mr. Osbaldiston. Leave Mr. Owen here to do his best in Glasgow, and do you come to see me in the glens? where I may both entertain yourself and stead your father in his extremity. I'm a poor man, but wit's better than wealth, eh? And you, Cousin Jarvie, well, if you dare venture say muckle us to eat a dish of scotch collops with me, come your way this sassenach. Aye, oh, as no, far as Drimmon, or Beclive, or the clacking of Aberfoyle. I'll nae cross the Highland line, Rob. I have nae freedom to gang among your wild hills and your kilted red shanks. Well, the clacking of Aberfoyle's best, then. And if you were to come, Cousin, why... Why, who says but what I wouldn't pay up your thousand pounds, Scots? Oh, would you now? I swear to ye, upon the bones of they who sleep beneath grey stones an inch, Kyler. Eh, nae, mair. We'll see, well, we'll, we'll see what, what may be done. Yeah, well, I must be budging, cousin, for the air of Glasgow Tolbooth is no that our salutary to a Highlander's constitution. Come a walk, kinsman. Mr. Owen, bide here content, for in the morning you will breakfast in my ain house. I thank you, sir, most heartily. You too, Mr. Francis, I hope. Turnkey, open the door. He isn't there, but the door's not locked, and I'm thinking, if Dougal is the lad I ken him to be, nor the outside neither. Aye, his glimmerings of common sense knew that creature Dougal. He kind an open door and might have served me at a pinch. So, good night both, and forget not the clacking of Aberfoyle. Me and mine will be watching for you. Hark to the hell and devils calling their own. They think they're on the skirts of Ben Lomond already. Uh, do you know anything of Rashley's whereabouts? Is he in the city still? Why do you ask? Because whenever there is evil done to me or mine, he is there. I believe he was seen yesterday in the college grounds with McVitie. <laughs> you see? Though if I knew his address, I would hesitate to give it. I think you can guess why. Mm. Uh, tell me, by the by, who may this Mr. Robert Campbell be? Uh, where did you meet Mr. Robert Campbell, as you call him? Oh, by chance, some months ago in the north of England. Well then, Mr. Osbaldiston, you'll ken as muckle about him as I do. I should suppose not, Mr. Javi. You're his relation, it seems, and his friend. There is some cousin red between us, doubtless. What is his rank, his habits of life, his means of subsistence? When we met in England, he said he was a dealer in cattle. <laughs> did he now? Ah, uh, uh, rank... He's a healing gentleman, need it. Better rank need an end be. Habits? He wears the healing habit among the hills and bricks in Glasgow. And as for his subsistence, what need we care so long as he asks nothing for us? But here, here we are at my door and I bid you a very early morning, my young friend. Bide here at eight sharp for breakfast, mind. Oh, and we shall have Owen as our guest of honour. I haven't. Cousin, lurking in the shadows yet, I see. Were you seeking me? I had information you were to be found around the offices of McVitie, Rashley. 
You are well met, sir. I was about to take a long and doubtful journey in quest of you. You know little of him you sought, then. I am easily found by my friends, still more easily by my foes. I must ask in which class I may rank Mr. Francis Osbaldiston. In that of your foes, sir. In that of your mortal foes, unless you instantly do justice to your benefactor, my father, by accounting for his property. So, as an esteemed member of your father's commercial establishment, I am to be compelled to give an account of myself to a young gentleman whose exquisite taste for literature would render such discussions disgusting and incomprehensible. Save your sneers, sir, and accompany me to a magistrate. Take your hands off me. A magistrate, you say? Go and amuse yourself in the world of poetical imaginations and leave the business of life to your betters. We both bear the same name and it will brook no insult. No! Do you think I have forgotten your first evening at Osbaldiston Hall when you struck me with impunity? For that insult never to be washed out by blood! And for that I had the pleasure of extricating Miss Vernon from your venomous toils! Cowardly! Coward! Yeah. I hadn't even drawn my weapon! <laughs> coward! Damn villainous, murderous coward! We draw first blood and we'll draw the last! Onga! I am the wolf that will not leave off now, sweet cousin! What? What? The sons of those fathers who sucked the same breast, shedding each other's blood like strangers. By the hand of my father, I will cleave to the brisket the first man that mints another stroke. Campbell, stand aside. Aye. Do you, Mr. Francis, opine that you will re-establish your father's credit by cutting your kinsman's thrapple? Or do you, Mr. Rashley, think men will trust their lives, fortunes and a great political interest we aim that gangs about like a drunken dilly? McGregor. How dare you presume where my honour is concerned? Oh, chout, chout. Presume? You may be the richer man, Mr. Osbaldiston, and the mere learned, but I reckon you are neither a prettier nor a better gentleman than myself, and it'll be news to me to hear you're as good. Dare, is it? This quarrel was forced on me, MacGregor. I'm glad I was prevented from chastising his forwardness more severely than I have already. You're hot, lad. A very slight scratch got before the bout began. And he would not long have boasted of it had you not come between us. And that's true, Mr. Rashley. For I saw the cold iron in your best blood would like to become acquaint when I mastered Frank's right hand. But come now, walk with me, Frank, and let your cousin go his way. I will not quit sight until he yields to me those means of doing justice to my father. You hear him, MacGregor? He rushes on to his fate. Will it be my fault if he falls into it? The warrants are by this time all drawn up, and McVitie... Warrants? What warrants, you black-eyed devil? Oh, you're daft, man. Be quiet now. Take your hand from Rashley's collar. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, now you are in the bear's grip, cousin. Take the bent, Rashley, while I hold him. And make a pair of legs worth your crafty tongue. You had done that before now. You may thank this gentleman, kinsman, if I quit you now. But as I never like to leave my debts unpaid, I go only in the hope. We shall soon meet again, without the chance of interruption. I shall live by bread, you unstoppless fashion. Good, good. I never sought it after Carland. What would you do, huh? Would you follow the wolf to his den? I tell you, man, he has the old trap set for you. He's got the collector creature Morris to bring up all the old story again. And you man look for no help here as you go to me at Justice Inglewood's. It isn't good for my health to come in the gate of the Whigamore Bailey buddies. Eh? Now, gang your way like a good bairn. 
but the word of a gentleman, I want to see you round. But I'm on gig at Rashley out of the tune of our war comes yet. Now go. And, and mind the clacking of Aberfoyle. Eh, young bloods, eh, Mr. Owen? Hot headed, hot headed. Take some brandy punch, Mr. Osbaldiston. It's physic in these cold mornings for a wounded buccaneer. So, you drew your sword. Well, Rashley drew first, in, in cowardly fashion, and naturally I. And now, oh, clean rank, to draw your sword on your own kinsman, and to draw a sword in the streets of a royal borough. But what fell next? How came you a in one piece? Oh, Mr. Campbell. MacGregor, Rashley called him, again came to my aid, or rather to frustrate me in my collar, which may have been the same, I now admit. Rab again, was it? Oh, Robert's clean, mad, clean wooden war. Mm. Robert will be hanged. Though my father, the deacon, rest his soul, rocked him his first hose, yet deacon Threepel will be twisting him his last cravat, I'm thinking. Uh, upon these matters, I would dearly love to seek your advice, Mr Jarvie. Oh, would you know? For in all things, you have acted the best way for my father's honour and advantage. I take counsel from the older and wiser. What would you know? Mm. Am I to trust your cousin? It seems hard for me not to do so, since he has so often reached out a hand to me in trouble, and to Mr Owen, too. Mm. But he does seem to have some sort of understanding with Rashley, and I think that... Touching, Robert. Uh, I am of the opinion he will befriend you when it is in his power. He has a good heart, poor Rab, and though a heeny muckle expectation never to see back my thousand pound Scots, mm. uh, yet I, I will never say but what Rab means fair by all men. Am I then to consider him an honest man? Uh, you know, he, he has a kind of hell and honesty, honest after a sort, as they say. And should I trust myself to the place of rendezvous he's given me? Frankly and fairly, I would say it's worth trying. What is Mr Campbell? A landowner? Nah, nah, nah. He, he's none of your chiefs. No, he is real born. I can his lineage. He, he used to be real doing enough. Mm. Uh, uh, but, but, but then the times came hard. Rob was venturesome. And, and his creditors took his living and land, turned his wife and bairns out in the hillside while Rob was for him. Shameful. Shameful. So, he became a reaver, a cattle stealer. No, say bad as that. But he became a, a lady or a blackmailer. I threw a Lennox in my teeth up to the gates of Stirling Castle. Blackmail? Uh, Rob gathered a band of blue bonnets at his back and said to the farmers that as it grieved him to see depredation to the south of the Highland line, hmm. why, if they would but pay him four pound Scots out of each hundred of valued rent, he would engage to keep them and theirs scatheless hmm. or pay the value of what was lost and he keeps his word. Oh, man, I Oh, Rob keeps his work. A very singular contract of assurance, to be sure. Mm. Clean again your statute law, Mr Owen, but if a law can lock up the innocent and not protect their bairns and buyers and wives, what force should I know engage with a trustworthy hill and demand who can? Answer me that. What then has this man to do with me, or indeed with Rashley? Sir, monies. The Hillands have been kept quiet by bribes to the great lairds. King William's and Queen Anne's own blackmail debts, you might say. Pensions and grants and what not. But now, King George is up. And God bless him, I say, for him. There's no more siller nor pensions going among them. And this can he stand lang. There will be an outbreak for the Stuarts that will come down in the low country like a flood. All this I understand, but, but not... not how you and your father come in. Hmm? Hmm? Your father owns land to the credit of his honourable firm in the form of bills. And if these bills are not paid... 
The Glasgow merchants will own the land, and the Highlanders thereon will turn desperate, and the outbreak that's been so long biding us will break out. Mm. It will be a flood. It will be a flood. However, since Rashley is not trusted, even by his own side, and Rob is his own man, I think the bills have not been cashed yet by the canny Glasgow merchants. I don't see my cousin Rob could get out of it at least. But why should he? If, as you say, he's a Jacobite, why should he throw away his hand? I, uh, I can't precisely speak to that. <coughs> Only Rob, as I say, is for his own hand. Uh, that, that may be to your advantage. But there's something again you. Rob has a grey mare in his stable at home. Hmm? The wife, man. <laughs> the wife. An awful wife she is. She won't be the sight of a kindly Scot. If he come from the lowlands, far less of an Englisher. Oh, she'll be keen for all that can set up King James and ding down King George. Ah, and now, gentlemen, I have it in mind to save three or four honest healing lads from falling head or heels into destruction just because they cannot pay back siller that is theirs by rights. And save your father's credits, and my own good cellar your father owes me. If I could manage this, what would you say? Oh, Mr Jarvie, we would be overwhelmed with gratitude. <laughs> and pay you back the loan at once on Mr Osbaldiston's return from Holland. I don't know. I don't know. Good paper is the right stuff in the right hands. And this'll find you three men in Glasgow who will secure you the credit of your house. <sighs> Well, I put on my boots the morn and go jogging our drimmin' muir with Mr Frank here. Mr Jarvie! And if I can't make Rob here reason, and his wife too, I dunna ken who can you. My housekeeper, Matty, Mr Osbaldiston. She has been up these two hours a-fussin' a and a-tottin' out here in my trot cosy and Grazing my jack puts and corning my beast. A goodly young thing, sir. But they're cautious for me, they're cautious. Here comes your gilliman. Fair service. <laughs> Andrew, what do you mean by bringing that creature here? Where is Stonecliff's horse? I sold it, sir, and I he bought supple time on your honour's account. It's a grand bargain, it's a wheel ken ganger. It only has three legs, sir. God wants him to redeem the other brutes. Oh, no, it'll get up at speed when it's getting my latrine. <sighs> Mr. Osmaldison contracted for the services of you and your horse. Twelve brutes at once, <clears throat> you unconscionable rascal. Find your quadruped, or I shall amass you half your wages. It's no good talking the bricks off a Eilandman. Aye, for then I may kick your ass, sir. I say, look, we'll after you during this journey, sir. Be assured. Now we are fully acquainted. Our money, misters, our money, misters, as the toad said to the harrow when every tooth did her attack. Now this silly hussy's all in tears. Mr. Asbaldus, is he? Look, Matty. I take your soul canker chair and I put it twice round my neck so, so I shall be like an East Indiaman under steel. <laughs> now, smile, Matty. I, I do but go to visit cousins and drink a glass of heel and deal with, with this young man here. Let's, let's, let's get on our way, Mr. Fly. Yeah. It, it shows a kind heart in and one so young. She's a careful lass. Yeah. Why, Mr. Jarvie, I... I think it shows a little more than a kind heart that she is so distressed to see you go. What? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm out old now for that billing. Here comes your sweetheart. Wait up. Well, sir, 
Take on picture mischief now. Mind you, I'm watching They're you. Right behind us, Andrew. Several paces off, sir. Heel is for the dog. I'll be a dog's wages, rascal, if you do not do our bidding. Say farewell to St Mungo's favourite town, Mr Osborne. We have to find the road over the heath and beyond to the purple hills of my first day. You must understand that to answer your question, who is Rob and what is his hill and country, I have to answer according to the balance sheet and counting book. Yeah. Sick is the only true demonstrable root of human knowledge. Yeah. Though you might like to say it's Shakespeare, sir. I say deal it is. <laughs> it is figures. And I think you will not like to hear that, or then... Oh, Mr Jarvie, you see where we've been brought through by taste for poetry. If you will, let me hear the figures. I trust your views are implicit. <laughs> Hark you. These Highlands of ours, as you see, are but a, a, a wild kind of world by themselves. Yeah. Full of heights and hows, woods, caverns, lochs, rivers and mountains. That it, it would tire the very devil's wings to flee to the top of them. And in this country, and in the Isles, there are about 230 parishes. If you include the Orkneys, where they speak not but Gaelic and are technically heathen thereby... And in each parish, I estimate, there are 800 examinable persons. Add one-fifth for Bairns of nine and under and... The product one, will be 230,000. Uh, right, Frank. <laughs> Perfectly right. Hey. Now, were all the men brought out to muster who could bear arms, that couldn't come wheel short of 57,500 able-bodied souls. <laughs> now, sir, it's a sad and awful truth that there is neither work nor the very fashion nor appearance of work for half of these men. The agriculture, the pasturage, the fisheries and every species of honest industry about our hillands cannot employ more than half. Oh, let them work as lazily as they like and they do, sir, work as if a plure a spade bump of fingers. The remainder amounting to... Uh, 115,000. You hear it? Yeah, 115,000 souls, Frank. Of which number, as I say, are 28,700 red-blooded gillies fit to bear arms, and that do bear arms, and will touch and look at me honest means of livelihood, even if they could get it, which, lack a day, they cannot. What do they do? In the name of God, what do they do? Come down to the borders of the low country and live by stealing, raving, lifting cows in the lake, and the laird shelter them. And that's the grievance of the Hailands. Look, are full of the most lawless, unchristian jades and rogues that, that ever disturbed a douce, quiet, God-fearing neighbourhood like Glasgow. It grows very dark, Bailey. Dark, yes, sir. That is the fourth. <laughs> I'd rather that were a public house. The fourth bridles the wild Highlandman had said. This hill is said to be the place of a palace of fairies. They call them the Dunyishie. Which signifies men of peace, meaning to make their goodwill. And do it be deceit so Satan, after all, we may call them that too, for there's no good speaking ill of the laird within his own bounds. What are those twinkling lights? Fairy rings? That, sirs, is the clashing of Aberfoyle. Ah, at last, rest. Mm -hmm. 
Where's the innkeeper? Oh, we better not be entering here. Oh, what kind of fool is that, Andrew? We're tired and hungry. Look, look at the willow wand over the door. No, no. Some of the chiefs and great men are burling in there. Don't want to be disturbed. We'll get broken heads, aye, or the length of a cold dirk, which is just as likely. Bailey? Cuckoo has some reason for singing, ain't in the year. You there, boy. Are there rooms within for us? Yes, Sassana. If I give you a bobby, will you understand Sassana? Aye, aye, that I will. Then gang and tell your mammy, there's two Sassanach gentlemen come to speak with her. I doubt we'll get much welcome here, but ah, here she comes. The witch of the glen. Now we seek lodgings with your landlady for the night. That you can have here as you can by the wand. If you know our ways at all. Is there another place we might try? Calendar? Oh, calendar is seven Scots miles hence, and we're saddle sore and hungry with Better gang further than gang for war. The house is tearing up with them. Well, wouldn't they like to be intruded on with strangers? Well, who's there? Where shall we go? I don't can and I don't can. This is nonsense, Jarvie. Good woman. It is six hours since we dined and we've not taken a morsel since. I am positively dying with hunger and have no taste for taking up my abode supperless amongst these mountains of yours. I positively must enter your house, whatever mysteries and dangers it contains. Andrew, put the horses up. Aye, aye. Gentlemen, that mind us. We have but need of a bit of fire and day, a bit of floor space in the ashes. And some food, landlady. Anything you have in the house for supper would be most welcome. I don't care if there's anything in the house fit for the like of you. I care nothing for quality. Fetch anything. Andrew, sit on the hen coop. The baby and I will make do on this broken tub. You make yourself at home, sir, I see. I try to, sir, whenever I come to a house of public entertainment. Did you not see by the white wand at the door that gentlemen had taken up this place of public entertainment on their own business? I do not pretend to understand the customs of this country, but I long to have you explain how it is three persons can exclude all other travellers from the only place of shelter and refreshment for miles around. <coughs> we mean the offence, but, but there's neither law nor reason for it, and as far as a stoop of good brandy would make up a quarrel, we be in peaceable form. Damn your brandy, aye, sir, and damn aye. ye and your sassanach company. Aye, aye. <laughs> Drossers, we are free to free. Prepare service, you dog. Where are you going? Did you see to the horse? Ah, your countryman, please, sir. But I and this young Englishman will give you an account. Tell me. Oh, my sword will not quit its sheath. Nay, matter. There's a poker here. Red hot from the fire to cleave your pizza. Francis. Uh, with you, Bailey. Though two against three, we shall have. Uh, fair, fair play, fair play. I shall stand down. Right. Two against two, it is. Can you see the heat in this iron, sir? Feel that? Ah, oh, my plaid! My plaid's burning with water! Water here! Need a brandy, man! Roll! Roll in the The quarrel's no more. The strange gentlemen here have shown themselves men of honour and gained reasonable satisfaction. No bloodshed necessary here. And who's to pay for my new bonny plaid with a hole burnt right through it? And, oh, stinking like a singe sheep's head. I'd that be no hindrance to our peace, man. A new plaid shall you hear, and do the best. Your own clan colours, man. Uh, and you will tell me where it can be sent to you for Glasgow. Well, uh, this time you fecht, let it be with your sword, man, and not like a wild Indian. 
You wear a blade at your side. It hasn't seen the light of day since Boswell Brig, when my father that's dead and gone wore it. And I ken now well if it was forthcoming then either, for the battle was at the briefest. Uh, landlady, can we eat now we've paid the forfeit? Aye, aye, I'm sitting about your vigil, sir, here and now. Here's the brandy, sirs. So, sirs, why might you be in the clachan so late? What's your business here? Your health's on us. We are We are bits of Glasgow bodies, if it please your honour. Travelling to Stirling to get in some cellar that is owing us. Yeah, Francis? Uh, and for myself, I'm dismayed at the time I've been in the saddle. Not being our young, nor our fit, as, as you see. Then <laughs> mind you at him, sir. How you Glasgow trades folk nothing today but plague on its folk that may chance to be away in the hand? Uh, like myself. Uh, where is Andrew? Aye, uh, he ganged out at the fray like a flea quitting the cornered rat. I can he's in the stable, sir. And now the pot sits pretty, I'll conduct you there with taper, if you would please to follow. Aye, Frank. Locate the rascal by the ear and bring him in here to do his duty. There's a note for you. At least I take the description to be of ye from Dougal that brought it. And I bless God I'm ready it. What with soldiers and Saxons and cattle lifters and bloodshed? An honest woman would live quieter in hell than on the Heeland line. Soldiers? Ask me near me. Take the torch, take your paper and read. I'll gang back to your stew. For the honoured hands of Mr. F.O., a Saxon young gentleman, these. Sir, there are night hawks abroad, so that I cannot give you and my respected kinsman, B.N.J., the meeting at the Clachan of Aberfoyle. Damnation. Oak was my purpose. I pray you to avoid unnecessary communication with those you may find there, as it may give future trouble. Too late, my friend, too late. I trust, though, that you and my kinsmen will visit my poor house via the guide who delivers this, where, in despite of my enemies, I can still promise sick cheer as Ain Heelanman may his friends, and where we will drink a solemn health to a certain D.V. Diana. And look to certain affairs whilk I hope to be your aid in sin, and I rest as is wont among gentlemen, your servant to command, R.C.M. Damn. Andrew, fair service, you ass. I know you to be in the stable. Come out and face your master. I'm an honest man, sir. Honest you may be. Brave you're not, loyal you're not, a friend you have proved yourself not at all. Come and attend us at supper. Uh, well, but, uh, Mr. Osbaldison, sir. Uh, what now? Look, look, I, I like your honour wheel for the young lad, and I wouldn't part with you lightly. So but... you tell me, Andrew, though I doubt not it's my coin. But, but... sir, I adore gain further with your honour, and if you'll take my foolish advice, you'll bide by a broken trust rather than gang for it yourself. I can follow you no further. To gang into Rob Roy's country is madness. Rob Roy? I know no such person. What new trick is this, Andrew? Trick. You need not ask where Rob Roy is, or leave him that it is. Oh, oh Mr. Francis. Oh, your uncle's follies, no, your cousin's whiskies were nothing to that, you see. You see now. Halt! Stand where you are, sir, and identify yourself. Uh, who might you be? Captain Thornton on the King's business, sir. There are Highland gentlemen I've arranged to meet here. But your voice tells me you come from my own country. Indeed, sir. And may I say how very pleasant to my ears it is to hear English spoken in this wild place. We shall see how pleasant it may prove, sir. Lieutenant, stand the men easy. You, sir, will enter the inn with me. Andrew, wait out here. That I will, sir. That he will not. Come in with us. And you two, fall in with me. Ah, captain. Hey, you're well met, man, and uh, a little late for our tryst. Have a dram. 
I am sorry to see how you've been employing your time, Major Galbraith. And I'm sorry to see you so behind us, Thornton. I mean, with the daylight gone, how are we to be flushing the fox commel from his lair? Francis, it's a hornet's nest. They're all militia after Rob Dick care what you say, boy. Do these two gentlemen belong to your party, Galbraith? Oh, travellers, sir. Lawful travellers by sea and land, as the prayer book hath it. Hi, and lusty, too. A subsidiary of my commission in these parts is to place under arrest an elderly and a young person passing through and guilty of treasonable practices. Ah, uh, we wash our hands of that. I came here to fight against the Red MacGregor that killed my cousin seven times removed, but I'll have nothing to do with touching honest men going through our country on their own business. We fight a brave hand and drink a dram with me. Uh, Nor I, neither. And I suggest you take care what you say, Captain Thornton. <laughs> Your red coat will not protect you if you put any affront on a free burgess and magistrate of Glasgow. <laughs> Nicol Jarvie is my name, like my father before me, who was a deacon. And you, sir? What may your name be? Uh, Francis Osbaldiston, sir. Son of Hildebrand Osbaldiston of Northumberland? No, sir. This fine young man is the only son of William Osbaldiston, of the great house of Osbaldiston and Tresham, Crane Alley, London. Sir. Which name serves to increase the suspicion against you both? And lays me under the necessity of requesting that you give up any papers you have on your person. I have none to surrender. Search him. Take his weapon. <coughs> I earnestly entreat you, sir, not to resist. <coughs> That's justice, sir. This is different from what I expected. But it affords us good grounds for detaining you, Mr. Osbaldiston. How exactly do you account for being in possession of a written communication from the very man we are met here to capture? The outlaw, Robert Campbell MacGregor. Spies of the Red MacGregor? A, a trap! Strap them to the nearest tree! We are going to see after some gear to arrange, gentlemen, that, that's fallen into his hands by accident. Doesn't he law again that, I hope? Mr. Osbaldiston, how came you by this letter? I see you do not wish to cooperate. Very well. I believe the best thing I can do is to send you to the garrison under an escort, since you seem to be in immediate correspondence with the enemy. But that must be in the morning. Gentlemen, you will consider yourselves my prisoners. As soon as dawn approaches, I will send you to a place of security, and if you be innocent, as you say, you will soon establish the truth and have nothing to fear. Oh, but sir, no, but... sir! The service I am on gives no time for idle discussions. Major Galbraith. Aye. Leave your whiskey, sir, and come with me for a consultation. It is but an hour or two till first light. Now, you two gentlemen must make this hostelry your own for now. The rest, follow me outside. What in heaven was that letter you had, boy? Dougal delivered it from your cousin, saying there was danger here and he could not meet us, but that Psst. we were... Psst! Logs. Let's sleep in this kennel best we can and talk through this in the morning. Matty would tear her hair to see me here, so she would... Poor wench. <clears throat> Mr Jarvie. Rob Roy. Aye. Uh, poor Rob will his hands full by the time the sun comes over the hill. And though it's rang for a magistrate to be wishing anything again, the course of justice, dealing me, and I would break my heart if Robert hangs. So Mr Campbell... MacGregor, Cornwall, what the deuce you call him. He's the outlaw they are hunting. He's the man Andrew is so frightened of. The man who's protected me so often. He's Rob Roy. Who or what in heaven's name is Rob Roy? 
Mr. Jarvie. Rob Roy by Sir Walter Scott was dramatised by Judith Adams. Rob Roy was played by Liam Brennan. Rashley by Sean Chapman. Francis by Tom George. Captain Thornton by Richard Greenwood. Andrew by Alec Heggie. Dougal by Tony Kearney. Bailey Jarvie by Gary Lewis. Diana by Vicky Liddell. Owen by Michael Percival Maxwell, The Preacher by Robert Trotter, The Child by James Weir, and Galbraith by Paul Young. All other parts were played by members of the cast. Rob Roy was directed by Gaynor McFarlane. As the penny drops for Frank, tomorrow it's the third and final episode of Rob Roy. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.